From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Live from London, you're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. Hello and welcome to today's News Talk. This is the Sonia Poulton Show. I am delighted to be back, beginning of my second week. Thank you so much for the incredible response to our first week. It is very much appreciated. This week, it's a full moon week. Watch out, it's a fiery one. And also, Storm Isha hit England. We were told it was going to be so bad that the Met Office told us to keep away from windows. And I I actually read a a literal checklist last night, which I was reading out. And I just thought, this is really interesting. But you know, I didn't actually hear it during the night. And I just wonder whether this is more fear porn. I'm sure you're going to tell me if I'm wrong on that. Please feel free to, to let me know in the comments. You can email me as ever. I just want to say thank you to some wonderful people, as I say, who contacted me, Priscilla and Kath and Mervyn. Mervyn said, congratulations on the first five shows, all very interesting and our passes far too quickly. Well, that I'd like to hear, Mervyn. Better that, better that than than it drag, right? And uh, Peter, who is a former chartered health psychologist, he said, thank you for your informative and stimulating show. Thank you, Peter, much appreciated. And Colin, Colin deserves an award. He binge listened to all five shows yesterday. Thank you so much, Colin. That is so much appreciated to all of you. Thank you. We really do appreciate it very much. Wherever you are in the world, I want to hear from you. You can contact me at Sonia Poulton at tntradio.live with your stories, with your comments, things you want me to investigate. You name it, just say it and I'll do what I can. And before we continue, I have a question. Where do child labor laws come into social media content? Answer, they don't. Despite all the hoo-ha in the UK about the online harms bill protecting children, the fact is children are still not being protected in a crucial area of the internet, family vlogging. Now, YouTube has guidance such as do children appear in these videos and can they be played to under 18s? But there is nothing specifically or or in detail regulating family vlogging where, frankly, fame hungry parents have turned their children into cash cows and without largely the children's consent. Um, And this is a massive area where children are being exploited. It's clear that many of these parents lack the skills and talent to be famous off their own bat, and they show absolutely no boundaries when it comes to exploiting their children on TikTok and YouTube. One family has had every one of their children from birth upwards grow up on camera and even had one of their children go through a gender transition. And you may have heard of the unutterably just horrendous Micah Storfer. And uh, that was a big controversy a few years back. She had a significant 1 million plus following on YouTube and she catalogued adopting Huxley, a child from China, sponsorship deals and more followed until Huxley was discovered to be autistic, who was then given up by the Storfers when it all became too much. Poor child, rejected twice and so publicly. This is one example of the exploitation I have witnessed. There is plenty more. In my opinion, family vlogging is unconscionably terrible parenting. How many of these children featured actually look happy? 
Yet families can literally earn millions of pounds from this. So the incentive is high because cute kids are still a big internet hit. Now, look, I, don't get me wrong. I understand that parents are incredibly proud and want to show their children to the world. I get it. But a yeah, picture of building a snowman or receiving an award at school is completely different to what some of these children are being subjected to. Some of these children are literally working daily to produce content for their family vlogging. And I spoke to... Um, a social worker in a local family's department and she is deeply, deeply concerned. And she asked me not to name her, but she said I could quote her. She said, unlike a child who is actually employed to act, these social media kids are not playing a part and lack legal protections that are in place elsewhere and designed to protect children from commercial or family exploitation. More needs to be done to protect them in the event that their own families are failing to do so sobering words indeed. And I think that 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 needs to be taken note of because we've seen the horrors of what's happened to Hollywood kids. You can think of people like Macaulay Culkin as one example, who eventually fell out of I fill out with his own family because he felt so exploited. So I just want people to take note. I am not a fan of family vlogging, as you may have noticed. And on that note, we will be back very shortly with Gemma Cooper. It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. And of course, we have the wonderful Gemma Cooper with us today. Good morning, Gemma. Morning, Sonia. Well, you, you know, it's not just Macaulay Culkin, is it? Think of poor Britney Spears, Michael Jackson, the terrible abuse he suffered at the hands of his family's desire for fame, all the Jacksons. I mean, I just think it's the whole system is rotten to the core. And of course, what families are doing is emulating that system, aren't they? They're emulating what they think is, is a way to get rich and famous, you know, which is by exploitation of children. That's how Hollywood operates. It's how the music industry operates. And yes. now it seems that, you know, families are being sucked in to that vortex of, you know, it's very cruel. It's cruelty. It's child cruelty. You've, you've hit the nail on the head there. But that's the way our culture is going with the expansion of digital technology um, and everyone encouraged to live their lives online. This is the society we are heading towards. Well, we're in. We're in, we're in it. And it is absolutely, it's our duty to highlight these issues and <clears throat> show that, you know, everyone says, oh, well, technology's okay if you use it in the right way. No, I completely disagree, even though I'm staring at a screen so that we can broadcast on TNT, but at least we're doing it consciously. It's that consciously. I think half the, the world is unconscious. Sonia, it's unconscious. You've got me on a Monday morning ramp with this one because like, yeah, I haven't even got kids and I understand the, the importance of this issue. It's an entire generation of dysfunctional kids being raised to think that this is the way you live your life. It's not. It's the, we should be the exact opposite away from the screens. You know, it's, oh, anyway, anyway, that's not even what no, I wanted to talk away. about. No, away. I completely no, no, agree that. with you. I, you know, sometimes I will flick aimlessly on YouTube or TikTok or whatever, and I am actually shocked at how many videos now are of families and you look at those children right you look at those children and tell me those children are happy yes you're going to get one or two who just adore the camera right but by and large not so and and it is absolutely exploitation and of course these children can't consent to it not at all and i've seen some pretty horrendous things you know youtube can be a real stickler about what you can and can't post yeah i've seen children nude on family vlogging videos. Imagine that, that's online forever. Horrendous, Gemma, absolutely horrendous. So I think we, we should rant about this. It's exactly the sort of thing we should be highlighting. So I digress. What are you here to talk to us about today? 
Well, I just one one more point you've made there about the kids not being happy about this constant digital exposure. I've got a godson. I mean, he's in his teens now, but when he was little, I used to take him out to loads of places, and I took him to Legoland here in the UK. You know, the big Lego fun park that all kids love, and he did love it. And I thought, oh, I better take some photos and send them to his mum. Um, so I was taking loads of photos of him, and eventually he just looked at me really sort of pleadingly, and he said, "Fairy godmother, can we just stop with the photos, please? Can we just enjoy ourselves?" He was six. And I thought, yeah, he and I didn't really want to do it. I just thought I better had to do it, but he didn't want it. He just wanted to get on and enjoy the moment. So kids know best. They really do. And yeah, constantly filming them and taking pictures. Poor little things. Poor little things. Anyway, uh, Monday morning, I'm going to rant about this one as well, because I, it, it, I thought when I saw this headline this morning, I thought this is either a case of willful blindness um, and, and just, you know, a complete refusal to look at the facts. Uh, and then I thought, hang on a minute, because this story has come out after it was revealed at the weekend that now 35 more cases uh, against the AstraZeneca vaccine are being launched in the high court after the two test cases last year of those uh, poor victims, one who's got life-changing injuries and the other a, a widower who lost his wife to the jab. Um, those were the two test cases launched in the high court last year. Now there are more, more have come forward. And so more people came forward at the weekend saying, yeah, we're going to take AstraZeneca to court under the UK Consumer Protection Act as well. We believe the jab has done us irreversible harms or caused death and we want money. And it could it could really be significant amounts of money, a million pounds for every case, although that's a drop in the ocean probably for AstraZeneca. So that came out at the weekend. And this morning, the British Heart Foundation has issued this huge press release, which is in several major outlets, claiming that uh, we have got more deaths from early deaths now from heart disease than at any other point in the last 10 years, undoing 50 years of hard work to combat heart disease. And they say the, high, the levels are highest since the, since the scandemic. Uh, they say it's the highest number of early heart diseases since 2008, all people under age of 75. It's now 80 in every 100,000. Um, and it's risen success, excessively, guess what, since 2021 and 2022, in the last three years. Now, what happened over the last three years? What have we had over the last three years? What is the COVID inquiry dropping? It, the fact is going to talk about, you know, the jab. Which, nobody wants to look at this. And I think, I think there's been an element of coercion here. I think that this press release that's come out this morning, which has quoted a consultant cardiologist and the associate medical director of the British Heart Foundation, she says Britain is in the grip of its worst heart care crisis in living memory. And she blames it on everything but. We've got the system. We've got diagnosis. We've got waiting lists. We've got high blood pressure, obesity, cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, uh, uh, overweight, uh, sedentary lifestyle. She's saying all of those things except the word that we all know is related to this issue. Now, I think these two things are linked. You could call me a Tim, Tim for hat nutter, but you know, right after just a couple of days of more people coming forward saying AstraZeneca ruined our lives, we've now got the British Heart Foundation press release saying, oh yeah, we know heart problems are really bad, but you know, it's nothing to do with, you know what, it's, it's to do with everything else. What you can't deny though, Sonia, is the figures. They've risen successively since 2021, 2022, uh, and all people under the age of 75, you know, having these terrible heart problems dropping down dead uh, I think the two are linked maybe you could call me you know I've gone over over analytical on this one but I just think we know how the mainstream is manipulated we know how the mainstream is paid to put certain articles in certain places you know and also who funds the British Heart Foundation where does it actually get its money from that's probably worthy of investigation so yeah this morning we've got heart problems everywhere being blamed on everything but and it just 
It just reminds me of my days in the mainstream and how easily it is to manipulate headlines and statistics and create the story you want when, you know, you and I and everyone listening and watching know the real story behind these headlines. I mean, that's the reality. I don't think for a second you're a tinfoil hat wearer. We have to be like this. And it's not even cynicism, Gemma. It's the fact is you and I know how the system works. And in particular, I mean, charities were fairly abysmal, weren't they, around the COVID period, the mental health charities, the heart charities, you name it. And of course, a lot of them receive funding from government. So they are they are compromised. This is the reality. But as you say, I was looking um, to, to see exactly who, what they are blaming. And at top of the list actually appears to be obesity in terms of children, right? Uh, so they are saying that there has been an obesity decrease to 9.2% for reception age and 22.7% for year six age children respectively. Now, have you seen that? Is, is that something that your eyes and your research is telling you is accurate? What, children getting fatter? Did you say increase or decrease there, Sonia? I think I misheard you. Oh, oh, let me see. New figures show that the number of children living decreased and then increased for older age children. So for the reception age children, there was a decrease, but from then onwards, there's an increase. So that's interesting, isn't it? So what they're because obviously reception is children just leaving the home, right? So are they saying that once children get into school, they get fatter? Is that what they're saying to us? Well, I'm not aware of that particular statistic in that. I was just looking at their overall pattern of, of heart disease and heart attacks in the under 75s over the last three years. So the, the kids one I haven't seen, I mean, I don't have children. I haven't, I don't really mix with kids that much. I haven't seen uh, particularly fat kids. I don't know what defines obesity in a child though, because <clears throat> you've got all these different stats where you measure childhood growth, don't you, when you have children. Um, but certainly it is, this is, this is the thing, this uh, British Heart Foundation, you know, it's the leading charity here in the UK to talk about heart issues. It's come out all guns blazing and says, yeah, it's a terrible crisis. It's the worst in 50 years. It's increased year on year since 2021, 22. And just the fact it will blame it on everything, you know, being alive. That's almost what they're saying. Being alive will make you have heart problems. And it's just such a case of like not connecting the dots, really willfully not connecting the dots. When, you know, even people who took the AstraZeneca in good faith you know, lots of these case studies that came out the weekend, they said, we did what we were told. We really believed we were doing the right thing. One poor woman lost her husband, 35 years old, and he suffered for months, weeks and months before he actually died. Uh, and they couldn't, they couldn't, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you, mate. We don't, when they misdiagnosed it and everything. And these poor people. So right off the back of that, it's like, you know, these big charities saying, oh yeah, we do know there's a problem. Well, everyone has to acknowledge there's a problem now, but, we, but it's this and it's this and it's this. They won't even, even reflect back what people are now coming out and saying, you know, that we took the jab and it, it ruined us. They won't even reflect yes. that. Absolutely. And the British Heart Foundation actually have put out a press release, quite a recent one, saying we are urging the government to do more to drive progress towards their goals of halving, of halving childhood obesity by 2030. Talk about Tim Four Hat Wearer. What's happening 2030, Gemma? It's always interesting, isn't it? They, they set these goals to do everything by 2030, which, of course, is the UN Sustainable Development Date. Listen, Gemma, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I don't think for a second you're a conspiracy theorist. More, more a conspiracy factualist, if there is such a word. Everybody, this has been Gemma Cooper. We will be back right after the short break on today's News Talk.
TNT's Darren Denslow. Yeah, I'm talking about the illness. Actually, that has done, has been doing the rounds. Not have we only seen a, uh, a mass influx of people waving their COVID tests online. Look, I got a red line. It's like, oh my God, people are testing. Or people, you know, trying to encourage others to wear their masks. Um, but there has been a talk of a dry cough. There have been doctors coming out saying we've seen loads of cases of that. Uh, have you been suffering from, you know, a bit of cough and flu or cold? Or COVID. Well, Darren, I, COVID. I, I just I just did my eighth test oh, and okay. um, I, I'm just going to keep doing it until I get lines and lines. Why? Well, because work's coming back up, isn't it? Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing. We can build that. Sustainable housing. We can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. We don't rock. rock. We talk. talk. Today's News Talk. TNT Radio. Welcome back to today's News Talk. And I don't get to say this very often, but I have a real-life hero on the screen. In the show, yes, Absolutely. This, everybody, if you don't already know, is the stupendous Maggie Oliver. She's a former detective. She's a whistleblower. And she is the founder of the Maggie Oliver Foundation. And Maggie has been all over the media over the last week. Absolutely exhausting for her. You've had an incredibly busy week, Maggie. Of course, what happened was there was the review published last week, which was commissioned by um, Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham. And it was a a review really into your work over the period 2004 to 2013 regarding your whistleblowing of the grooming gangs that were taking place in Rochdale. How are you feeling? How's this last week been for you, Maggie? Um, good morning, Sonia. Um, in many ways, it's been a really difficult week because it's triggered me and taken me back to the feelings that I had in 2011 when I was very naive, thinking that senior leadership within the police didn't know what was happening on this case. Um, the, and reading now in that report, uh, which is like war and peace, you know, it's, uh, I've worked on it with the team for seven years, reading um, everything in there that I was saying all those years ago is kind of vindication. Um, and it's actually a little bit of closure for me. Most victims don't get that. Most whistleblowers don't get that. So it's a real mixed mixed bag. But because of my work in the in my charity, the Maggie Oliver Foundation, you know, I know that actually there are, we're dealing with cases today that could be another report like this. 
So yes, it's a sense of vindication. It's real anger, Sonia, that it takes 12 years for this to for the truth to come out. When I knew it was the truth, as do all the chief constables, as did the government. Um, but I've battled every single day of that. That's one part of it. The present is the work I'm doing in the charity, which shows me that so many of these failures are still ongoing today. There's still been no accountability for senior officers who deliberately abandoned hundreds, if not thousands of children to their fate of being abused. You know, we've got we've got a, a police complaint system which is completely unfit for purpose and we need a complete radical overhaul and systemic changes. The IOPC, the Independent Office for Police Conduct, is not independent and it needs to be. Um, victims being failed every day. Um, the chief constable at the time of this investigation, Peter Fyde, is now knighted, just like the, the post office scandal. The, you know, this could be, this could be, I could be Mr. Bates. You know, this has been my life for 12 years. So, but there's so much more to do. And victims like Amber, like Ruby, who were featured in the three girls drama that I worked on, that there are Ambers and Rubies out there today who are powerless to do anything. Um, and it, it fills me with horror. Um, I'm determined that we will see a change in um, in the system. And I am determined that somebody at the top will be held accountable for their um, abuse of power in policing. Um, it's not just Rochdale, though, Sonia. This is a national problem. It's a national problem. Absolutely. So tell us, just give us an idea of what was going on, Maggie. So victims' testimonies were being undermined. They were being disbelieved. It was said that police were under-resourced. But what about interference? Was there actual interference to stop these victims getting justice, Maggie? There was from the top. I mean, you know, this is such a monumental story that I, you know, if somebody really wants to know the full story, read, read my book, Survivors, because I go into it in great detail. But what I would say in this case, this was called Operation Span. Um, I didn't actually work on this. Um, I didn't work in child protection, actually, Sonia. Um, but I was headhunted in 2000, at the end of 2010, for this job and asked to bring on two children who were being horrendously abused. One of them Amber, one of them Ruby. Um, and the reason I was asked, one of the reasons was that there'd been a routine property review in Greater Manchester Police and a fetus had been found that had been seized two years earlier without the knowledge of the child Ruby, without her mum's knowledge, without any consent. Um, and that just turned up. So I was asked to tell her we had this fetus and get their permission to use it for DNA profiling to find out who had got her pregnant when she was just 13. Uh, the other side of it was a young um, a young girl called Amber, um, who had been arrested on suspicion of being a madam at the age of 15. Um, the Crown Prosecution Service officially acknowledged that she was just a victim, and I was asked to go and get her story. So, I mean, I'm whizzing through this, but eight months later, I'm told on a Friday afternoon that they changed their mind, that they were no longer going to use Amber and instead, they decided to portray her as a paedophile so they could get her evidence into court without informing her, arresting her, um, cautioning her, giving a legal representation. And six months later, when I resigned, she still didn't know what had been said about her. And they were trying to take her kids away from her. So this goes way beyond um, just, you know, a tick in a box or a failed form. 
These are lives destroyed and a complete and utter um, inhumane treatment of the most vulnerable children in our society. The man who got Ruby pregnant, you know, he was a 41-year-old married man. We had a fetus. We had a child with special needs. And even he was not cha charged with rape. He was out of prison in less than four years to go back to Rochdale where she didn't know and bumped into him in the local Asda walking around with another child. These are things that have eaten up my life because I feel that I gave 16 years of my life to a career that I believed in. I believed our duty was to protect the vulnerable, to uphold the law. And this case makes it very clear that chief constable can decide, oh, we don't care about these kids. We're not going to do a proper job on this. You know, we're only going to deal with three kids out of dozens. Um, and that is just wrong on so many levels. And resources was the reason this case was closed, because they wouldn't put resources in. And I had seen the same thing in 2005 on Operation Augusta. The second time I saw it, I decided I was not going to walk away. And now my foundation fights for victims who were being treated today like Amber and Ruby were all those years ago. And it is an absolute national disgrace. So I'm really keen that any of your listeners know this is not a problem of the past. And in the live press conference last week, I called out the chief constable because he said, I think his words were, it was live, um, as surely as night follows day, I can absolutely guarantee that this would not happen today. Well, any of your listeners who want to put on Sky News today will hear a young woman there who they've called um, Lucy. She came to me in the last month to say exactly the same thing as happening today. And she could be me 10 years on. So Indeed. You know, absolutely. Absolutely, so, Maggie. Let, let me just hold you there, if I may. And we are going to go briefly to the news headlines and we will be back with Maggie Oliver. This has to be heard. Now, where trusted newscasters deliver the day's news at the same reliable time. TNT Radio News. That sounds awesome. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. Ukraine has reportedly used weapons supplied by NATO to bomb civilians at a busy market in Russia's Donetsk People's Republic. Donald Trump's congratulated his former rival, Ron DeSantis, after he pulled the pin on his presidential campaign. The US could soon declare war against the Iranian-backed Houthis in Yemen, and the death toll from Israel's brutal bombardment of Gaza has surpassed 25,000. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's News Talk, this is TNT Radio. Welcome back to today's News Talk. I'm here with former detective Maggie Oliver. Maggie did the sterling work of uncovering what was going on in Rochdale. But as she's already said, this is not just about Rochdale. This is all over the UK and we must be aware of that. And we also must be aware that this is not historic. And before we move on to how con contemporary and current it is, Maggie, let me just ask you about some of the myths that have arisen around this. And one of them is that these were 
poor white girls from broken homes whose families didn't care about them. Well, that's not true, is it? That's not strictly true. No, it isn't. I mean, if I, you know, focus on Amber and Ruby, um, they were from a, a difficult childhood. You know, their brother had been in the in the home where um, Cyril Smith had been abusing children. Um, he had bumped into his abuser in the street because the abuser was working as a postman. He he'd committed well. He'd taken a drugs overdose, and Amber found him on on a couch. Mum had a nervous breakdown. These are the most vulnerable children. A child deserves protecting and the state the social services and the police their absolute number one duty in my opinion is to protect children and they failed on every level and this report Sonia makes it clear that it was because they wouldn't put resources in but it also says that individuals were responsible for the decisions to abandon those children. And for me, those individuals are the chief constable and the head of the Crown Prosecution Service. And at that time, the chief constable was Peter Fye, now Sir Peter Fye, and the, the chief prosecutor was Nazir Afsal. And what really winds me up more than anything is the fact that they've now made themselves into these victims' advocates. And how dare they? How dare they be such hypocrites when they know what they did to these children and actually many more that aren't covered in this report. But I'm limiting it to this report because this is officially acknowledged as the truth. So that makes me more angry. They use these cases, they, they wander off and they climb the ladder and they go on into infinity whilst these children have their lives destroyed turned inside out and if I had not gone back to Amber social services were trying to take her children away from her based on right. the fact that she'd been portrayed as a paedophile that is inhumane it is wicked it is evil Shocking. and I'm sorry it makes me sick to my stomach and I will shout that till my dying day um, well that's your really power that's absolutely your power, Maggie. Maggie, talk to me about the demographic of these men, because obviously lots of people are very scared to talk about this. There's a lot of issues around it being very culturally sensitive. Is it culturally sensitive? Is there a particular demographic of these men? I'm afraid that that is part of the conversation in these kinds of abuse cases, which are called grooming gang cases. It's actually children being raped. Um, I know that the vast majority of the abusers in these gangs are Pakistani Muslim men. And when I started this com conversation, um, that was, you know, you couldn't say that, but I, I did say that that is what I have seen. Um, the, there are no stats to reflect that because the, the, the authorities don't want to gather the statistics. But I think we've moved, what I always say though, to counter that, um, because obviously you're accused of being racist and this and that. Um, I always say, I don't care if a child abuser is, you know, a priest in the Catholic Church or Jeffrey Epstein or Harvey Weinstein or, you know, your next door neighbor. For me, you do not tiptoe around a child abuser. You, you address it. You prosecute them. The law is meant to be consistent and equal. Um, and, I think when I was on this case and on Augusta, it was most definitely a political hot potato. Um, I actually think that the public are fully aware of the demographics of these cases now. But I also think alongside that, there is most definitely a class um, attitude to it. That, you know, many of the victims of these grooming gangs 
are from difficult, they are from difficult backgrounds. They have nobody fighting their corner. And I always say that if Ruby, as a 12, 13-year-old child, had been raped on a daily basis by Adil Khan, who was ultimately convicted and got her pregnant, um, if Ruby had been the daughter of the chief constable, would he have thought it was okay to charge right. that man with conspiracy and have him walk out of prison in less than four years? And I would put my bottom dollar on it that that would not happen. So these kids are, are assumed to be powerless. Their family, they're easy to discredit. Their families are cast aside. What the police should be doing is focusing on the abusers, on the gangs, on um, making sure that they are sent to prison for a long, long time. Um, as it is now, they know that the chances of them being uh, prosecuted or, or um, caught is that minute that it's worth taking the risk. That's Shocking. where we need changes. It is Absolutely. really shocking. And the complaint Absol system, which is completely unfit for purpose, <clears throat> Sonia, is where the solutions lie. That is where we need change, or these cases will continue to be repeated again and again and again. Um, and oh, I have to keep it on. Oh, dear. And, and the thing is, so let's bring it, before we have to let you go, let's bring it to where we are now. And that is, you are very concerned, as you say, that in 10 years' time, we're going to be doing this again. You are currently supporting at least 371 victims through the Maggie Oliver Foundation. And you're really saying that victims are being criminalised, intimidated and silenced again. Maggie, how yeah. can this all still be happening? You know what, if I had a pound for every time I've asked myself that, I'd be a millionaire. Um, I mean, anybody who's following this story, follow my Twitter, you know, Maggie Oliver UK or my LinkedIn. In a few weeks time, there's going to be another review called the Baird Review. And that is looking at what happened last year um, in and around Greater Manchester. Um, what I would say, yes, we are currently supporting 371 um, victim stroke survivors in various ways. But over the past five years since I started the foundation, we've supported over 4,000. These are cases that are still ongoing. And many of those are being failed by a police service that actually is unfit for purpose. And I'm not blaming individual officers. I am blaming a system which is on its knees. And since last week, I have been approached by countless police officers who are desperate to be heard, who feel ashamed of where they are. They feel they are abandoned. They don't have the resources. They don't have the support. And they hear chief constables trotting out saying that everything is now great. It's not great. And it's only going to get better by facing up to that truth and doing something about it. I mean, they're absolutely incensed in the comments as rightly they should be because I mean Maggie you are literally doing even though you're no longer a cop you're still doing the work of police in many respects I mean what yeah. can we the public do is there any more we can do beyond highlighting what is taking place well, highlighting it, sharing my stories. Um, if anybody wants to donate, we are a charity. And I don't take, I don't want to take a penny from the establishment because if I did, I couldn't say what I'm saying today because they would be silencing right. me. Right. You know, on somebody's wage, I've got five staff now, 30 volunteers. 
once somebody's wage is connected with the person who pays those bills, they have control over you. And I would rather that the foundation disappears than have to compromise that truth. We we are the voice of those who don't have a voice. Um, and I take that really seriously. Um, and, you know, I know my subject. You know, I am an expert. The people in, in the foundation absolutely are. And there is nothing we haven't heard now. So, but I don't want to destroy people. I want to improve a service and a system that is completely broken. And the only way I know how to do that, Sonia, is to tell the truth, keep banging on doors, and hope that one day uh, they will be so ashamed that somebody will step up to the plate, a, a government official a home secretary, a government that really cares and will put the money where their mouth is. And until that happens, we're not going anywhere. We're, we're supporting individual victims whilst trying to change a system which just does not work. And while it doesn't work, very vulnerable victims and um, survivors of violence against women and girls, and actually young men as well, it's not just women. And, and it's Absolutely. not just victims. You know, this is victims who are... Uh, powerless to be heard well I feel that you know I am or we are their voice and it's a real responsibility that I do you know I take very very seriously and you are an amazing voice Maggie I want to personally thank you for what you do child protection means the world to me and I know many people out there thank you so much for the fact that you actually care everybody this is Maggie Oliver and this is today's news talk we will be back very shortly de-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective about 11 years ago Dr. Michael Mann slapped a lawsuit on Mark Stein, and that is coming to trial now. As a matter of fact, the trial is going on. But I can't figure out how this guy would do this. Let me read you some of his choice tweets. Trump will happily kill you, your children, and your parents to get elected. The GOP is pure evil. The GOP is a scourge upon the earth that must be destroyed. They are evil in the purest forms. It's not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party that is rotten and evil to its very core. The GOP is pure evil, must be destroyed. I guess he tweeted that twice. <laughs> the third one. The GOP is such a pure form of evil. The modern GOP is one of the most purely evil entities in the world today. This is a man who advocates for a one-party system. And he's one of the prominent climate scientists out there that is pushing this agenda, which is designed to do just that. Eliminate all opposition, eliminate freedom of thought, whether it's with climate or with everything else, and simply just toe the line to what he and his ilk want. So it's a very important trial. Apparently, Mark Stein said that he was a fraud because of his hockey stick. Now, I'm not going to use that terminology. You know why? Because I've never looked at the data that he used. But wouldn't it make you suspicious the reason I can't see it? is because he won't let anyone else see it. This is the man who wants a one-party system in the United States. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. May the forecast be with you. It's the only weather you've got. Food isn't just fuel to live, it's fuel to grow. My family relied on public assistance to help provide meals for us. These meals fueled my involvement in theater and the arts as a child, which fostered my love for acting. The Feeding America network of food banks helps millions of people put food on the table. 
When people are fed, futures are nourished. Join the movement to end hunger, and together we can open endless possibilities for people to thrive. Visit feedingamerica.org slash act now. You're with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk, TNT. Welcome back to today's News Talk. Well, Maggie Oliver has got them going in the comments, and rightly she should. Keep going, Maggie. You inspire us all, says Mike Wall. And uh, Shin says, at last, somebody's saying it how it's supposed to be. You are a hero, Maggie. How to wake up the 85%, says Pedro. Indeed, and so say all of us. I am delighted to be joined on the screen by Jack David, very, very funny commentator whose tweets I enjoy enormously. Good morning, Jack, how are you? Morning. You all right? Yeah, great to have you with us. I'm just looking at your Twitter, obviously, X description. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that you feel the need to describe yourself, along with being a useless eater, free speech isn't a phobia, as a male with a penis. Why would you feel the need to describe yourself as such? Well, you never know these days, do you? Anyone can have a penis, apparently. So just thought you better make sure everybody knows. And that and that is the reality, isn't it? Words have lost all meaning. And one of the things that I wanted you to come on and come and join me about and comment about is the whole issue of gender and transgenderism. Are you cis, Jack? No, there's no such thing. There was there was literally no such thing till a couple of years ago. And it's it's their religion. It's not mine. And I refuse to get involved with this sort of terminology. It's ridiculous. It really is. I saw this morning that Sasha Bailey, the son of iconic photographer David, has described how he came so close to becoming a woman after visiting various chat rooms, being very dis- feeling very disturbed, depressed, going through it, but and, and going online. Now you and I are absolutely aware there are these sort of these people that are coming together online and pressurizing vulnerable individuals into believing that they are not the person that, that they've been born in the wrong body. What do you think about all that? Well, the thing is now is when, if you went online even, what, eight, nine years ago, if you went on and asked these sort of questions to Google, it would point you in the direction of genuinely good information about, you know, about what what actually goes on, what the surgery entails, what the drug entails. Now what you'll find is it just pushes people towards an echo chamber. And you, it's then full of people who are then all, you know, agreeing, saying what a wonderful thing. It's the only solution. You know, you, there's something wrong with you. How we get back to these outdated stereotypes, I'll never know. Because this this was sort of gone in the 90s when I was growing up. You know, my, my best mate's a tomboy. But, the, but you know, there's nothing manly about her in that respect. So she, but she likes the football. She prefers hanging around with boys. In this day and age, she would have been a target for someone or would have been pushed towards it. But the problem is they go into these chat rooms, they go into you know, um, uh, Reddits that are terrible. Have you ever seen anything oh. from Reddit? It's awful. It's just awful. But you can't say anything to the contrary. So if you say anything that goes against it, then you're banned or it's blocked or you know the post is removed. So you're just literally funneled into this echo chamber of agreement where this is the only way. There's something wrong with you. Now, if you're not boy enough, you must be a girl. If you're not girl enough, you must be a boy. It's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And and good, decent people are being criminalised for not adhering to this new religion. One example, Kevin Lister, a former tutor actually at my old college, new college in Swindon. He's actually suing the government after he was banned from working with children for misgendering, i.e. correctly identifying the biological sex of his student. What do you think about that? The criminalization of people for telling the truth. 
honestly, I hope he, I hope he absolutely clears them out and sets a precedent with it because it's got to stop. You know, they're, they're there to teach facts. They're there to teach what they need to learn, not to get involved with all this pseudoscience, culture war nonsense that, you know, that's going on at the moment. And if he's got a very clear, you know, very clearly got a little girl in front of him, he's not going to start addressing them. Why should he address them as a boy? You know, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's, we used to go to learn, you know, what, we, what, the, what was on the curriculum. Now it just seems it's all more about, they spend more time discussing pronouns and, you know, cultural differences than they actually do actually learning anymore. And it's no wonder why education standards are plummeting. Yeah, 100%. It's ridiculous. All the priorities are wrong, clearly. Now, th we were discussing yesterday about how the, there's an absolute division of this in the LGBTQ+. plus plus plus. Don't plus. say that. I hate it. There's no oh, community. Right, absolutely. It's nonsense. Slap my hand. It's nonsense. Right, but, but there is a division, isn't there? And so you have people yeah. like, obviously, Peter Tatchell and older actors where they're like, you know, yes, of course, men can be women. And uh, so, so, that, so there's a division amongst lesbians as much as there is a division amongst gay men. What do you, as a, as a gay man, what do you think is going on here? It's what we were discussing yesterday, wasn't it? Is it generational? And I, I don't think it is as such, because, you know, not, not so black and white, for instance. So I think it very heavily, you know, matters about where you hang about and where you are. So I was never really somebody who hung around on the gay scene very much. I did when I was younger, but not very much. I was sort of in and out. So it didn't, but I didn't lose anything by standing up and saying, you know, having the radical belief that you can't change sex. But I was excommunicated from a lot of Facebook groups. All of a sudden, I was the wrong sort of gay. You know, that, you know, these people have known me for years. And, you know, but all of a sudden, because I would not say that you can change sex, a man can be a woman, a woman can be a man. It's nonsense. So, but instantly excommunicated. It doesn't bother me. It's like I said to Dan last time when I was speaking with him, you know, that will all these people out. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Do it yourselves. It makes it saves my time. But for other people, if you're involved in that lifestyle, you know, you only ever go out down the gay scene, you know, you've got a lot of friends down there you, and it's important for you to stay within, you know, your groups of friends and stuff like that. The last thing right now you will do is go against this because it's if you go to gay pubs right now, it's all it's all just gender based again. It's just literally it's flips on its head. So the, if you go against this new uh, what's the gospel, isn't it? Now it's almost yeah. like you're a heretic if you go against anything. You yes. say the thing. So, you know, if you go against this now, you'll be gone. You'll be gone. You'll have no friends anymore. Now, to me, that doesn't bother me, you know, but to some people it would. And I get it. So, the, you know, they're more likely to you know keep storm just go with the flow just keep with the status quo whereas other people it's not where you know you've got the so we i'm in a group of a great bunch of lads and we range in different ages like you know from 60s downwards and you know the some of these guys that marched on my behalf you know i had to do nothing when it come down to it i had such an easy ride like coming out in the late 90s because it was all done before me everything was fine we were actually we got to, to, to such a good place now all of a sudden we're going backwards again because people are sick to death of having this force down their throat and the thing is gay people weren't going in and saying you must discuss you must refer to me as this you must do this you must do that we weren't infringing on other people's rights either but this this is just a completely different scenario but because when you said there there's lgbt BTQ plus QWERTY uh, community, when you lump us in as a whole like that, it's almost right. as if we all agree right. and we don't all agree at all. And this is why I refuse to be lumped into it at all. I'm not I'm not an umbrella term. You know, I completely reject the word queer. It's absolutely ridiculous that now that's all. No, we've taken it back. Well, it's forced teaming, it. isn't it? 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's what it is. You're being forced to team up with people. And let, let us be that's clear here. One of the reasons. Yeah, it's it's completely wrong. And like pride, obviously, which is uh, has been for many years, obviously heavily associated and naturally so with gays and lesbians. The irony there, of course, is you have a whole load of straight people who are being prioritized over actual lesbians and gays. And that seems like such a betrayal. Is that not a betrayal? I get called a figure uh, and all sorts daily online. And, I, you know, and it's it, a lot of the time, it's, I've, I've said this a million times, I have had more uh, abuse thrown at me by trans people over the last two years than I ever did in the previous 40 from straight people. Wow. And, that, and that's a fact, you know, I, just, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I didn't, you know, I just, that wasn't my experience in life, thankfully. But I've had a lot more abuse from these people since. These people that I'm supposed to be in the same club with, like I said, it's nothing to do with me. So, for instance, I was in an argument with someone the other week where I just said, like, you know, I, was, I put a, a post and say, like, you know, I, I don't associate with the word queer. I, I still find it offensive. And then straight away underneath, queer. You know, so they just go straight in at you. But you say this, these people are the ones that ask for they constantly plead for tolerance they're constantly asking for you know be kind be nice be tolerant and they show absolutely none themselves so i'm done with it like i've got zero tolerance for this anymore i really do yeah absolutely and the thing is is obviously a lot of journalists they will they run along with it but i'm not one of them and i call it for how it is and a lot of these God. men are autogynophiles and yes, autogynophiles if you're not familiar with the with the expression it is basically men and actually women who are sexually aroused at the idea that they are viewed as the opposite sex and that is a lot of what's going on here but people aren't prepared to call it for how it is now jack one of the other ways that there has been a great division again among amongst gays and lesbians, but particularly, I would say, gay men, is the issue of surrogacy. What are your thoughts on surrogacy? I don't like it, personally. I mean, from I mean, kids were never on our agenda, um, in all honesty. Me and my partner have been together 17 years, but it wasn't really on our agenda, but that would have been the last route for me. Um, you know, it's a touchy subject, isn't it? But for, for me, personally, I just think uh, the bond between a mother and a child Unless, you know, nature's took its course and something drastically tragic's happened somewhere along the line. I don't think that's something that we should be interrupting. Um, I, I certainly won't be comfortable with buying a baby from someone and the first act I did was separate it from its mother. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'd, I'd never live with myself. Um, I'm just a bit uncomfortable with the whole you know, prospects of selling babies full stop, to be honest with you. There's plenty of kids out there that could do with a home, you know, in care. Um, one of my best friends grew up in care. And, you know, they would have, they, whereas they would have loved, they've said a million times, you know, if, if two uh, blokes would have took them, they'd have loved it. You know, they would, they'd have been absolutely happy with that. It would have been better than being in the care system. But would, that you know, would you, you want the, the choice of having, to dads where, where the choice was made for you on your behalf, you know, to take your mum away from you or not even have a mum in the first place because it was a transaction. I just find it a bit... Yeah, I don't like surrogacy in any form. I, I don't like rich Hollywood women, you know, womb renting because they don't want to have their bodies, you know, interrupted. <laughs> they want the stretch marks. Yeah, I don't want it. I mean, you know, it, it happens. That's just funny to and, come, uh, so, so for me, it's definitely not a kind of homophobic issue. I just don't like the idea 
of, no, as I say, a... womb renting. But you know what? I think that there's a much bigger movement now, which is anti-surrogacy than anything I've ever seen, really. People are really sort of rising up. When when you get people now who post online, oh, look at baby, look at this baby that we've just picked up. When you look at the comments, there is so yeah, much criticism now. It's interesting, isn't it? Really interesting. Well, I, th Let I, th I think it goes back to what you said about the whole vanity side of it. You know, where people are like making the choice because, you know, it's too, too posh to push, was it, that they used to call it back in the day. But Lisa maybe has just said that in the comments. Right. Yeah, exactly maybe, that. maybe maybe that's had a, an effect. And, you know, if it's if it's had a positive effect, then great. Because, like I said, I just find that whole, whole thing a little bit um, mucky, to say the least. It, it, it's also horribly politically correct. We need to just get, I think it's child abuse when you, when, and especially because obviously we know it's in the schools and, you know, we, we know that children were being essentially transitioned without even their parents' knowledge. I mean, this That's is outrageous stuff. Outrageous. Let me just read some of these comments. I'm so sorry, wonderful people that I haven't had time. It's been a, a whiz this morning. Absolutely. Uh, we Fat Shug said, my son has friends brought up in care. They were horrifically abused, yet are the most courteous. I admire their bravery so much. Um, and uh, I help my, Chris says, I help my friend who's homeschooling and she's doing a great job. I'd be doing that if I had kids now. We need to encourage more. There are many ex-teachers like me who could help. Yeah, because as going back to what you said at the start, Jack, is that these these children are not being taught the you know the basics of like reading writing maths it's like is your pronouns correct you know it's and indoctrination it's just, it, 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 that is exactly expand on that indoctrination well the, th the thing is if you've got now uh you know a workforce of teachers all pushing the same mantra and it's all this now cultural war nonsense that we're going through now and they're all you know the same opinion and that's feeding fruits down to the kids and the, the you know that that's that's where it's all started there's no coincidence with it i mean I th don't get me wrong i think there's a much bigger problem in america where the teachers are concerned than we have over here from the videos i see anyway if uh libs of tiktoks to be believed but um the, you know, it, it is indoctrination because right now in school, it's like, remember the video not that long ago with the two kids arguing with the teacher about whether a, whether a classmate could be a cat or not. And it was the teacher arguing that she could be a cat. And it's like, how on earth have we ever got to this? Like, this, is, this was just not my, my childhood at all. I love the way that you show no deference whatsoever to this new religion. And uh, for example, there was a headline the other day, which was woman jailed after she admitted having cocaine fueled sex with a, with a dog. I think you would, <laughs> uh, it's a man, obviously. Did you not describe him as He-Man or something? Yes, it's all gone downhill for He-Man. He did look like him though. <laughs> Do you know, but maybe that's what we need to do. We need to laugh at it more. And, and in, in many respects, it is farcical if it wasn't also so serious, the things that are being done with children. Obviously, gender transitioning, once they put them on that pathway, there is a real problem, isn't there? There's puberty blockers, then there's surgery. What about when you see these surgeons online and they've just taken away healthy breasts and they're like, it's, yeah, they just done another up. lot this week. What are your thoughts? They need up. There's, I can't remember her name now, but there's one in Ireland. She's absolutely hideous. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it, it reminds me of the people that shoot lions, you know, and giraffes and stuff, and then have the pictures taken with it later on. There's no difference at all. It's like, it's nothing to be proud of, you know, to take away someone's forearm to make 
oh. what look, what's, look, looks like a knockoff Louis Vuitton, you know, purse as a penis. It's absolutely it doesn't, horrendous. Doesn't function. But going no. back to the indoctrination, it's not just with the schools. It's like it's within the gay community itself. Just wanted to touch on Jenny Watson, who had the audacity to, you know, to, she wanted to set up a, you know, a, a, a women only, obviously. The crew I have would to be in the name. Up, I'm afraid. Sorry, lesbian uh, speed dating. Um, and all, you know, she was. She was just ridiculed. Now she can't even get a gate, can't get any gay bars anywhere in Glasgow. They just boot her out, but she gets ridiculed. It's just ridiculous because she had the audacity to have a woman's only event as, you know, a lesbian only woman's only event. Ridiculous. That is absolutely outrageous. Jack, you have to come back. I knew I'd love talking to you, everybody. This is Jack David. He is a wonderful commentator and I love it because he calls it how it is and we need more people like that. This has been the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you to my guests, to Jack, to Maggie Oliver, to you always. Please keep commenting. Please keep uh, touching base with me. We will be back tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay tuned for the very fabulous Abby Roberts. Have a fantastic day. See you tomorrow. Tomorrow.